0: Good morning, Cornerstone, come on, man, so glad to see you guys, glad that you're here. Hey, my name is Scott Rogers, and I want to welcome you to Cornerstone Church. I want to definitely welcome and give a shout out to all the campuses, you guys out in Santan and in Scottsdale, we're so glad to be a part of what God's doing there, as well as everyone joining us at Cornerstone Online. Let's give it up, come on, guys, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your experience today. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Now, today is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's official. This is Christmas Sweater Day. Okay, so if you didn't get the memo, uh, that just stinks to be you because I see some folks out there with some Christmas sweaters on. I know you've got some at the campuses out in Santana and Scottsdale. You're probably even sitting online right now in your Christmas sweater just trying to feel the vibe because it is awesome to be standing in front of a group of people wearing an ugly sweater. It's really horrible. So please give me some affirmation at some point today. Be empathetic. Well, this is for you. This is for you, Jesus. <laughs> it's Christmas, Friday, man. So much fun. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to just take a moment before we even get into the message and uh, invite you all again to a Christmas Eve service at one of your, uh, the campuses because it's going to be incredible. They're on December 23rd and 24th. You can go to cschristmas.com to figure out which service at which campus is best for those you invite. Now, if you live here in Chandler and you know someone up in Scottsdale, invite them to meet you at the Scottsdale campus. If you know someone, Santan, and you know someone in Chandler, meet them at the Chandler campus. Just bring somebody, invite people because it's such a great time to invite people to come to church. And they're going to have a ton of fun at every campus for the kids and for families. And here's the deal. Pastor Lynn has shared with me what his message is going to be about. And uh, I guarantee, as it always is, is it's going to be awesome. He's going to be teaching, and I think he's calling it The Tale of Two Kings. And he's talking about the response of two kings to the birth of Christ. How one's response brought them to a certain place in life, and another's response brought them to an entirely different place. And it's going to be very challenging as we look at, well, which response have I brought to Christ, and therefore, where am I at in life because of that? So it's going to be really good. So invite someone to Christmas Eve, and um, it's going to be awesome. So. There's controversy stirring in the camp at Cornerstone Church. We started it last week. We've got to finish it today. Last week, we realized that it's our party and we can do what we want. So we decided to determine what is the greatest Christmas film of all time. Now, if you weren't here, well, I'm glad you're here today because today is the final rounds. So we went through a bunch of categories of Christmas films last week. And by your response, we determined... What are the top films? And now we're going to figure out what is the number one Christmas film of all time. Now, this is, I guarantee you, I don't know what you do for work or what your life has been like this week. Um, aside from uh, a family uh, circumstance that, that is painful, that's very important. But aside from that, you have done nothing more important this week than to determine this right now. This is a big deal. It's going to go down in the history books. So here's what we're going to do. At every campus, what's going to happen is in just a moment, we're going to put up a picture on the screen, and it has four uh, uh, images of four films. And you get a vote. You only get one vote. Now, here's how you vote. We don't cast ballots. We don't throw jelly beans. You've got to voice your vote. So what's going to happen when we go through these? You've got to either yell or clap or yodel or whistle or sing country music. It doesn't matter. Your voice just has to be heard if you want to vote, but you only get one vote. Everybody say one. one. Okay, so let's put them up on the screen. We have four films that we are going to vote as the greatest one of all time. Now the controversy is, last week we had Elf and Home Alone go head to head, but it was such a neck and neck all all day long we thought Okay, let's push them through and see if one would prevail over the other. Doesn't mean they're going to win, though. So we're going to start with the top left of this graphic. Now you get one vote, and if you believe with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength, that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is the greatest Christmas film of all time, let's hear you right now. Rudolph, come on! (laughs) You sound like Seahawks fans when they're playing in Glendale. Oh my goodness. Okay, Rudolph, sorry, we love you. My heart's broken. Okay, let's keep on going. We gotta make this fast because we got some stuff to talk about. If you believe the greatest, most heartfelt, warm Christmas movie of all time is a miracle on 34th Street. Let's hear it right now. Miracle on 34th Street! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Woo. Oh my goodness! Wow. Okay. Dicey. Okay, here we go. Next one. Greatest Christmas film of all time. If you think it's Elf. Come on, it's here it for Elf. Yeah! Oh, my gosh. Would you say that edged? Was Elf edge the other one? Would you say? Or, that was close. See, that's the problem doing this, because you know, half of you hate me, half of you love me. I would, who would say Alf kind of made edge that one? Who would say Miracle on 34th Street edge? Okay, okay, Miracle on 34th Street is in front so far at this campus. I'm just going with, you know, I'm a politician. I'm going with the popular vote. So here we go. Last one. If you believe Home Alone is the greatest Christmas film ever, let's hear it for Home Alone. Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. At this campus, The last service, they said the same thing. A Miracle on 34th Street is the greatest Christmas film of all time. Man. All right, good job. Now, if you disagree with that, shake it off. Don't take it personal. All right, shake it off. Let's move on. So open up your Bible if you have it with you. Uh, We're going to have the scriptures on the screen as well. But always encourage you to get into God's Word for yourself. Navigate through that so you become familiar with it. And uh, turn to Luke chapter 2 because today we're wrapping up this series called The Joy of Christmas. And the whole approach to this series has been let's get back to the core biblical meaning and message of Christmas. What is this all about? And we realize that when we get back to the message of Christmas, it, it, it's a joyful thing. There's a lot to be joyful about in this the whole deal. And here's our key text. So look at Luke chapter 2. And it's found in what we've called the Christmas story in Scripture. And here's what it says. And we, uh, we've read this each week. It says in Luke 2, verses 10 to 11, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In our first week we looked at this and basically said, you know, the joy of Christmas is really about the joy of God with us. We, we inspected this profound truth that scripture teaches that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He lived this sinless life to ultimately die on the cross, to die in our place for our sins so he could bring us back into relationship with him. That's the core message of Christmas. God became one of us to bring us back into relationship with him. And then last week, we looked at this this whole thing of, okay, what happens after that? When we give our life to Christ, the message of Christmas is really that God has come to give us a new life. And we realize that he's given us the gift of a new life. He's given us the gift of a new way of life. And he's also given us the gift of continually working in our life, transforming us from the inside out. And he's he's committed to that work in our life as long as we continue to cooperate with his work in our life. That was last week. Today, we're going to look at this whole idea of the joy of Christmas is the joy of God working through us. Let me say it in a different way. What God started on Christmas, he will continue through us. Everybody say us. What God started on Christmas, he'll continue through us. Anybody here uh, a people watcher? Raise your hand if you're a people, oh, people watchers, Come on, loud and proud. I'm a people watcher. I just got to admit it. Uh, especially when I'm traveling and when I'm flying um, in airports and stuff. <laughs> I love watching people. I actually fantasize about someday becoming an FBI profiler. But I think that window of opportunity has passed me by. But I love just analyzing people. And this is the basics, like trying to figure out, like, what mood are they in? Are they stressed or are they happy? And you look at people's body language or the the tone of uh, what they're saying in their voice. Of course, their words, facial expressions. And it's just kind of fun sometimes to sit across the the concourse or the room and just kind of scope people out probably look creepy if they notice you and just kind of like now I wonder what what okay I'll bet they're going through this or that right now or something like that here's how they feel and ha- anybody have you ever done that where someone walked into a room and just by sizing them up real quick you could tell they're in a bad mood you ever done that uh, they're in a bad mood or the opposite Someone walks into a room or you walk into a room and you size someone up really quick by how their, their you know, body language and their communication game stuff, you're like, oh man, they, they look like they're in a good mood. That's the day you ask for the extra time off at work, right, when the boss comes it's like, oh man, okay, he looks like he's in a good mood today. But We can look at that, we can analyze this bad mood or good mood and it reminds me of this time when I was a teenager and I shared before about my dad who was an alcoholic and even got to unpack the great story of what God did in his life through that whole thing. But when I was a teenager and he was really heavily drinking, uh, I remember one day I should have noticed just by walking in the room that he was not in a good mood. I mean, it was just easy to see. And it was later at night, so he would drank a lot by that time. He was pretty lit up. And I walk in and he's just ornery, bad mood. And I just started being stupid and agitating him and getting under his skin. And it didn't take too long before, out of nowhere, um, my dad was a pretty passive personality, but out of nowhere, he lunged at me and he yelled at me and it scared the bejeebers out of me. I jumped back and I turned around and I ran out the front door of the house and I just started running down the street. I'm like, I'm going to kick my butt, you know, I better get out of here. And I'm running and I'm a couple hundred yards into the run and something comes to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have anything on but underwear. I'm running through our neighborhood with this underwear on. And I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta go back. But I realized if I go back too soon, he's still all worked up, so I'd better take my time. So I'm just kind of walking through the neighborhood. <laughs> didn't have any pockets to put my hands in. You know, walking through the neighborhood, in my underwear. Finally get back to the house, and I kind of walk in with hesitation and like, are, are you good now? Are we good now? Do we have Peace. Because we all know that relationships don't work without peace, right? It just just doesn't work unless there's peace between us. And when we get to the Christmas story in Scripture, it becomes very evident that God is declaring to us peace. He's not angry, He's not lunging at us because of our sin. And our stupidity, uh, he's at peace. In fact, go back to Luke chapter 2 and go to verse 14. Because here's something that's really interesting. Where the angels, in that moment, at the birth of Christ, they say this in Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, what? And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. That's some good news. That no matter how we feel toward God, he feels peace toward us and he's declared peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, let me just read it to you and you can look it up later. Uh, it says this, it says, Therefore, since we, have been made, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Isn't that cool? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. What God started in Christmas and bringing us back into relationship with him through Christ, he comes in the posture of peace, declaring peace so that our relationship can be reconciled. Now, I think it's important to note here just real quick kind of off message for a moment is it's very easy to get angered when we look at what's going on around the world. We look at what's going on in recent uh, months and weeks uh, in our country and the whole deal in Paris, and all all this stuff going, it's very easy to become angry about this and say, God, what's up with this? Where's the peace? But when we read Scripture, we actually see that when everything falls apart, God told us it was going to fall apart eventually because of sin, because of brokenness. Scripture, in my understanding, never says that God came in this world, in this time, to bring peace to all, to bring peace on earth. But he did bring peace between him and us. We can have peace with God even though we may not be able to have peace amongst ourselves very well. God bring the message of peace. He says back in Romans 5.1, we've been right with God. We have peace with God because of what Christ has done for us. Peace. Now, here's the crazy thing with all of this. Is what God started on Christmas, he's going to continue Through us, And what he's continuing through us is that he has given us, he has tasked us with the message of peace to this world and to those around us. Let me prove it. Open up your Bible, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 18 and 20. It's right after verse 17 that we spoke of last week about God giving us a new gift of life or the gift of a new life. And here's what it says in verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5. All of this, Scottsdale, I hope you guys are still with us. All of this is a gift from God who brought us. Everybody say us. Come on, Santan, say us. Oh, man, we heard you all the way out here. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. So this whole series, I've not been telling you a lie. This is what Scripture teaches. He brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, everybody say us. God has given us. This task of reconciling people to him. Reconciling people to him. That will never happen until there's peace between two parties. He goes on, for God was in Christ, week one, check it out, it's what we've been talking about. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. Man, that's good news. That's good cause for joy. No, count, no, no longer counting our sins against uh, us. And he gave us, everybody say us. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Crazy. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You want to know something that just boggles my mind? is that when we give our life to Christ, we literally represent heaven on earth. That's almost scary to think about, but it's so awesome. Now, that word ambassador in this text means the same today as it did back then. It's the same thing. An ambassador is someone who's on foreign soil representing their country or their leadership. So for you and I, as followers of Christ, we are on foreign soil on this earth. And we represent heaven. Now that's very sobering, but it's almost kind of comical because I'm like, God, you you must—you got a lot of faith in us, Lord. God is committed to you and to me as followers of Christ to be the ambassadors that bring the message of peace and reconciliation to the whole world. God's plan A is... You, and there is no plan B, we represent him. We are his ambassadors. So what does that look like, though, in a practical sense? On a daily basis, what does it look like to be an ambassador for Christ, to represent heaven on earth, to be these representatives of this peace between God and man? What does it look like? I think the answer to that would be as diverse as as you and I, as diverse as in who we are as people. So what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a few of the ambassadors that God sent into my life before I decided to follow Christ. A few of the people who represented God to me before I made a decision to do anything with him. So when I was a kid, a lady knocked on our door one day. She knocks on our door, and it was it was peculiar because at that time, uh, I say back in that day, I'm not that old. I'm not even gonna say that statement. But um, a very kind African American woman knocked on our door. I say that because we were a totally white, lower middle class, blue collar, Michigan kind of rural neighborhood. She knocks on our door, and. She gives us this piece of paper, and she invited me to this thing that I'd never heard about before. In fact, it was a very strange phrase. She gave it to me. She said, tomorrow at the church down the street, we're going to have vacation Bible school. Now, first of all, let's just be real here. Those words should not go together. <laughs> vacation and school, I mean, that's like that's sinful to even think that they can be in the same phrase. And then how, what Bible had to do with it, I had no idea because I had never read the Bible in my whole life. She says, we're going to have a vacation Bible school down at the church down the road, and we're going to have a whole bunch of fun. We're going to tell stories, and we're going to have candy. Oh, candy. All right. I think uh, I'm going to check this thing out. So I go down there the next day along with most of the kids in our neighborhood. There's probably about 30 of us kids and we go to this church right here. They're going to put the picture up on the screen for you. This is the exact church that it was. And we had, I took that picture about a year ago when I was out visiting my parents. And on those steps, that's where we had Vacation Bible School. What was interesting, though, was on the first day, there was this kid in our mix who was pretty disruptive, he was one of the unruly kids of the whole gang, and he was getting under the skin of this church lady, this vacation Bible school lady. And she had her few rules. This is, this is how we behave ourselves and blah, blah, blah. Hey, if you break the rules, you're not going to get candy. So we were motivated to try to behave well and all this stuff. But this kid kept being disruptive, kept continued to be disrespectful, would not follow the rules. She got so agitated, she literally kicked the kid out. Out of vacation Bible school. Imagine that. Jesus loves you, but dude, I don't know if I do. Get out of here right now. I couldn't blame her because this kid deserved to go. Guess who that kid was? So she kicks me out, and uh, I get on my bike, get on my little BMX bike, and I'm riding away, public humiliation and shame. My fault. But then it comes to me, and I get down the road a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? This isn't right. This is my neighborhood. This is my turf. She doesn't live here. Who is she to tell me what I can do and what I cannot do? So I turn my little bike around, and I head back that way, and I stop before I get there, and I pick up a good little handful of rocks. What? What do you think I'm going to do here? (laughs) And they were great rocks, man. They were perfect. And so I just, one by one, started launching rocks at the vacation Bible school, launching them at the church lady, I'm like, I can hit her, and I'm all angry, and I'm throwing my rocks at her, and the kids are kind of dodging on the steps, the rocks that are hitting the steps, and uh, I get kicked out of vacation Bible school. I go back, I throw rocks at the church lady. She was an ambassador in my life. God used her to nudge me toward Christ. She was an ambassador in my life. There was this lady I used to work with. I worked in a restaurant. I was a cook. Man, I can throw down the cooking, I'm telling you. This lady ran, uh, they had this bakery in the restaurant. Short, sweet, older lady, always joyful, which those people just annoy me. Come on, stop being so positive all the time. Get real with life. But anyway, so she's always joyful, always happy, always smiling. I mean, all the time. And she told me one day, she says, you know, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian, and I it's kind of kind of went over. I didn't I didn't know that didn't register. I didn't understand what that even meant. And uh, this was again late teens, and she was so nice. She'd always ask me about my life, and so I would start opening up to her about about my life. She's like, "Hey Scott, what'd you do this last weekend?" And I'd tell her almost everything I did. And you know, you think, well, man, I don't know if you tell that to most people, but I just felt comfortable around her, and I would tell her what I did. You know what she would say to me almost all the time? She'd be like, oh, Scott, she'd say it like in that tone, oh, Scott, smile on her face, God has better for you. And then she'd say, I'm going to be praying for you because God loves you so much. She was an ambassador. Her life nudged me closer to Christ. I didn't realize it at the time, but she was making Christ appealing to me. There was another time I got kicked out of somewhere. In fact, I've gotten kicked out of a lot of places. Probably Cornerstone at some point, but anyway. So I was at a KISS concert. Come on, everybody remember Gene and Paul and the boys? Come on, want to rock and roll all night and all that. Detroit Rock City, let's not go there, even though it's glorious music. I'm at a KISS concert. Who gets kicked out of a KISS concert? What do you got to do to get kicked out of a KISS concert? I can't remember what it was, but I did it. I have no idea because I'm sure I was inspired with some sort of chemical, but I I don't remember what I did. I get kicked out of the KISS concert, and I kid you not, they boot me out and they kick me out of the arena, and the door that I walk out of lands me right in the middle of this group of fanatical Jesus people with bullhorns telling people that God loves them. Totally true. Jesus loves you and you're know, repenting your sin and all these fanatical. I'm like crazy. They're yelling this stuff out. I'm yelling back my expletives because I'm just madder than a hornet. And we go back and forth. And finally, over a few minutes, one of the guys, I remember he comes up to me and he just tries to befriend me. I don't remember any of the details of the conversation like I said before. But he, comes, he starts to befriend me and his conversation settles me down and he begins to share with me how God loves me. He was an ambassador. God used that guy at the KISS concert outside of the arena after I got kicked out to nudge me toward Christ. And then there was our ninth grade teacher, Mr. Rhines. He was a follower of Jesus and he'd always invite a few of us unruly kids to these events that were going on at his church. One time we actually went. He just kind of nudged me toward Christ. There was our next door neighbor. Guy named, guy's name was Doug. He and his family were Christians. And uh, I remember Doug telling me later, he's like, Scott, you know, I remember I'd be up early in the morning and and you'd roll in Saturday morning and Sunday morning about 6, 7 a.m. from your night before. I mean, hadn't slept all night. And he said, man, I just remember that and I'd pray for you. And he was always helpful to my dad. He'd give him a tool if he needed to borrow a tool, something like that. He was an ambassador. His witness, his life kind of nudged us toward Christ. There were many more, but I've shared this one, Todd. i shared it in detail before, but Todd, the guy who I rode in a pickup truck from Michigan to L.A., 2,400 miles, and the whole way he shared with me his love for Christ and how God loved me, and he shared with me the plan of what it looks like to come into a relationship with Jesus. And Todd was the guy who actually put the dot of the I for me, and I gave my life to Christ through Todd, my my relationship with Todd. Todd was an ambassador. He not only nudged me, but he kind of closed the deal. That's what it looks like to be an ambassador for Christ. That's what he's called us to do. What he began at Christmas, he's going to continue through us. But here's the frustrating thing about being an ambassador for Christ, about representing God with this message of peace between God and man and bringing us back into relationship with him is it's really frustrating at times because it's hard to see and notice if we're making any difference. Have you ever done that? If you're a follower of Christ and you've tried to serve someone with the goal of them seeing God and coming into a relationship with God, have you ever thought, man, God, I don't see that I'm making any difference here. Anybody ever been frustrated like me? I mean, I have been. I don't see it, God. I just can't see that I'm making any progress. In fact, this is what we want it to look like in all of our lives. Put that uh, up on the screen, this measuring stick. This is what we want it to look like when we're an ambassador for Christ. We want to be able to see progress. We want to be able to notice that when we nudge someone toward Christ, man, they went a half inch further down this path. They went three inches. They went a centimeter because we all want to measure the results. But the frustrating thing is that sometimes, maybe often, we can't measure the results of what God is doing through us when we're an ambassador for him. The Kiss concert guy, I don't even know who he was. He doesn't know that I ended up giving my life to Christ. Nancy the baker, she knows because I called her up one day and I told her. Doug, my next-door neighbor, knows because I went over to his house one day and I walked into his house, told truth, and I said, hey, I just wanted you to know that I asked Jesus to be my Savior. That's what he did. He was speechless. And then he finally was like, oh, Wow, (laughs) honey, come here, come here, tells his wife. It was so cool. The VBS lady, she has no idea that I (laughs) gave my life to Christ. And I can guarantee right now, many of you are thinking, "My, my God, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I see it now. God has brought a relationship into your life that it's more than just a work relationship. It's more than just having a class together. It's more than going to a soccer game together and sitting next to other parents. God has brought you there to be an ambassador for Him. Or maybe the light bulb's going on and you're, you're realizing, oh my gosh, I have never shared my faith. I've never even told someone that I go to church somewhere and uh, they don't even know that I'm a believer. Maybe now is the time where God's saying, no, yeah, 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 you're an ambassador. You're an ambassador, and an easy way to be an ambassador is they say, hey, what's going on? You say, oh, man, I was at church this weekend, and this really cool guy with this really ugly sweater was talking. (laughs) Really? Tell me more. Oh, you don't want to know more. But anyway, come to Christmas Eve, and you can see more. Maybe you're here, and you're not a follower of Christ, but God brought you here, and he's used some Joe Schmo like me with a cool sweater to be an ambassador in your life, to nudge you towards him. You know what's going to happen? If we're faithful to this call to be ambassadors and represent God, that God's come to him and he's declared peace amongst us, between him and us. I guarantee this. I'm speculating, but I guarantee. I know that's an oxymoron, but here's the deal. You're going to get to heaven. And there's going to be people that come up to you that you've never met. And they're gonna say, you know, you remember that person that you shared your faith with? Well, they came to Christ, but you know, they shared with me who Jesus was. And I came into a relationship with God. People are gonna come up to you and say, thank you. Maybe you're Nancy the Baker, you're the sweet, petite, elderly lady who just love to say, you know what, I'm going to be praying for you, and God's got better for you. Maybe you're the KISS concert guy. You're one of those radicals. You're the Donald Trump of the faith. (laughs) Politics aside, you know what? God used a radical with a bullhorn to impact my life. How crazy is that? You know what I want to do when I get to heaven? I really hope that God gives me this opportunity. Get into heaven, y'all. We're going to be worshiping him, and it's just going to be, it's, it's beyond imagination. And at some point, I want to be able to go, Lord, where is the vacation Bible school lady? Can I go talk to her? You know, she stepped out in faith, She stepped out of her comfort zone. She was probably doing what she felt God called her to do. I can't speak for her, but she probably went home that night banging her head against the wall saying, God, I must have missed you because it is not working. There is no progress. And in fact, Lord, would you just kill the kid that I kicked out because he's horrible. (laughs) Without the vacation Bible school lady, without Nancy the baker, without Mr. Rines, without Doug, my neighbor, without Todd, the guy in the pickup truck, without the kiss guy, concert guy, I may not be standing here today having the incredible opportunity to say, come back to God. God has declared peace between you and him. The message of Christmas is that God became one of us to die on the cross, to bring us back into relationship with him. He will give you the gift of a new life. He'll even transform your life and give you the gift of a new way of life that's much healthier and much more full of joy. And then he's going to send you out to be an ambassador to represent him through your personality and whatever uh, passion you have. He's going to put you in positions to represent him. Let's do it. Let's pray. This week, God, how can I be an ambassador for you? God, who do I invite to Christmas Eve at Cornerstone? Or who do I, who do I serve? Who do I love on? We're called to be ambassadors, guys. Let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we're, really, we're really grateful for this, this reality, Lord. It's, it's very intimidating to think that we are ambassadors of heaven and that there is no plan B, God, that you're going to use us followers of Jesus, the church, to be the proclaimers of the message of peace between you and between everyone. So, Lord, I pray that you would empower us to do so. I pray that you would give us this, the, the staying power to stay the course, to be faithful in being ambassadors for Christ. And, Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us this privilege. And we pray that you'd show us clearly in our lives who those folks are that you are trying to reach through us. And Lord, I pray for anyone here at any of our campuses today that don't know you, Lord. I just pray that today they'd simply voice to you, God, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it. Come into my life, I want to follow you. And Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen.